everybody and welcome to another episode of the Safety and Health Podcast by SHP. My name is Mark Glover, I'm the editor of SHP and today's podcast is I think really exciting one, a rather special episode as we welcome the former Irish president Louise Hoskin and welcome in the new president Lawrence Webb. So just hopefully through the magic of internet, the guys should be here. Let's just double check. Lawrence, are you there? Can you hear me okay? Yeah. Hi there, Mark. Good to see you. Hi, Louise. Hi. Yeah, no, it's really great to be here. I'm excited to talk about everything that we've been up to in the last year. Great. Well, thanks both for coming on. We appreciate it. So, Louise, actually, I'll start with you just right off the bat. How are you feeling? It's obviously an end of an era. You officially handed over the, the baton recently. It's such a big thing. How, how how are you feeling with it all at the moment? It's a good question. It's a real mixture of emotions, I think. Yeah. I mean, it's been a, a real honour and a privilege to serve yeah. as the IOSH president. It wasn't something that I might have expected to do. And it is a role that's for one year only. And during mm. that year... You know, you're very much, as my friend Kathy Seabrook said, it's like drinking from a fire hose. <laughs> so she was president <laughs> of ASSP and that's how she really described it. But I had a really clear plan. And because of the nature of the way that I work anyway, I kind of had a vision for how I saw my year unfolding. And I really wanted to work as closely as possible alongside Lawrence as I could. Mm. And I think in the way that we've been working, just the same way that, you know, runners running a relay race don't stop to pass the baton. I think that's very much how we've worked together. And, you know, certainly the last I'd say the last six months of my presidency, I've been thinking about how to to pass on the role to Lawrence as seamlessly as possible. But, you know, I've done some really big things. And so you do kind of feel a bit weird because it literally is like a switch that switches off but you know we've been talking about that and we communicate about it and so Mm. if one of us is feeling a bit weird we talk about it well that's very good I think it's always important to talk isn't it if Mm. you're feeling a bit no I'm not 100% definitely I'm sorry I apologize I've got a really large question big question to ask you now but do you have something that you're most proud of are there like one or two moments that stick out as I say I'm sorry it is a large question but are you able to pinpoint any particular moments that's a big question yeah I think my presidency has been one of two halves because it was still very much virtual in the first half of it you know I was able to go out and about in the second half with the sort of more virtual side of things part of my vision part of my focus was always going to be around governance so with that time that I had I've really been able to focus on council and we've established some work streams that we call steering groups that fully discharges all of council's duties so council's working much more professionally part of that work has been about building really professional relationships between council and the board and in exactly the same way that we talk to you know health and safety professionals you've got to get in the boardroom and speak the language of business and speak the language of board that's been very much part of my year and what we've been working through so 
balancing hindsight, oversight and foresight, as I've been saying. And part of that is creating a capability frame within council. And from here, what that means is those members in council are really able to influence IOSH and the institution at the highest possible level. So that's definitely been a huge piece of work and mm, I'm yeah. proud of what's been achieved there. Um, I think in terms of my um, ambassadorial duties, which were in the piece that was out and about, of course, I was able to represent IOSH with our Commonwealth partners, which has been absolutely incredible. Um, yeah. So I went to the Commonwealth Memorial Service in March and I flew out to Rwanda and Chogham, wow. where I addressed the Women's Forum, which Brilliant. was incredible. And literally, I flew back from Rwanda straight over to Belfast and presented at BOHS in sure. the same week. So truly global. You know, that yeah. was the same week as the ILO's Declaration of Health and Safety yeah. as Fundamental Human Rights and able to influence politicians and meet people that didn't perhaps have health and safety on their radar before. So, yeah, yeah. big question, but I would probably <laughs> highlight those couple of areas. That's a really lovely answer, particularly um, yeah, from Rwanda to Belfast. It, yeah. it just shows the breadth of what you've been up to. And you make a good point as well. I almost that, missed uh, the Belfast flight. <laughs> I um, just yeah, I mean, literally <laughs> ran through Heathrow. <laughs> <laughs> and last minute jumps on. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it's 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 amazing. But you, you made made a good point just picking you up on um, you know, I think we talk a lot about the C word, COVID, but it, it's 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 such a maybe we'll get on to this a bit later. I don't know, but it's such a had a big impact on most people. But I think the health and safety profession has had a lot of focus, obviously. And it's interesting what you say about you know, it's just sort of isn't it? During your presidency, this mega pandemic happened, and it was the last of it, if you like. But that's a skill, isn't it, that everyone sort of had to learn. So that must have been a, a challenge as well, I guess, sort of trying to handle that virtualness, if that is a word, and at the same time still be able to communicate. But I guess that was something you had to, you just had to pick up quite quickly. And again, I like the fact that people have often said we have the right president at the right time. And I consider myself a transformational leader. So part of what I do is go into organisations and I look at them and say, right, well, how can we make what we're doing better? And I'm quite adaptable and I'm, you know, very much the work around council was we were we were sort of driving the train while we were laying the tracks. And I think, you know, <laughs> yeah. in terms of challenges, that is quite a challenging environment for some people to be within because I think traditionally health and safety has been about compliance it's been about rules it's about black and white and a lot of the work that we've done this year has not been about black and white we haven't necessarily known what the answers have been and part of the work that Lawrence and I have been doing is working with teams in council to actually say do you know what sometimes there, there isn't a right and a wrong and sometimes we're going to be working on things where there, we don't know what the solution is and I think in terms of challenges working in an environment where people are perhaps more comfortable with rules and certainty I yeah. think that's been a particular challenge yeah. um, and I think that whole thing of juggling time you know I don't work for a large organisation that you know, can just give me time. 
I've still got businesses that I'm working with yeah, in the background to juggle and to support. So, so all of those things have been a challenge. And I think as president, people quite rightly want a piece of who you actually are as a person, not just standing up and talking about I mean mm. I've talked about catch the wave I've been in health and safety for 30 years so I can tend to talk about health and safety <laughs> on whatever topic but actually it's about giving part of you for me has been a challenge that I didn't expect. Can I push you on that a bit is that about putting your own personality do you mean or showing yourself to be a bit more vulnerable or there's yeah. things that you want to shout about that perhaps hasn't been on topic before is that is that what you mean yeah that's think, sort of that side of things yeah I think it's it's difficult you know being a professional I'm very comfortable and happy to talk about whatever topic I'm given but actually being the president is more than that it is about we're elected because of the type of people that we are as well and what we can give and it is about showing vulnerability and you know sharing Particularly as we come out of a post-pandemic world, people want to see people within this role that are authentic. You know, I've shared stories and experiences that perhaps I haven't before. And so I wasn't expecting to find that personal piece so challenging. You took the word out of my mouth. You have to be Mm. genuine, don't you, I'm sure, in this presidential role, because you just have to, given the nature of the profession we're in as well. And there's no resource you can go to there, is it? That's a learning curve you have to pick up quite quickly. Yeah, I'm used to doing some of the things that I've been doing. I've Mm. got that experience, but I've had to really reflect on myself. You know, I've certainly grown my self-awareness. I'm used to putting myself in situations where I don't know what comes next, but this has definitely pushed on my comfort zones without a shadow of a doubt. (laughs) Yeah, I'm sure, which is a good thing. We all need to be pushed out of those zones, don't we? So thanks for sharing that, Louise. I'll... I'll, um... That was really, really insightful. I'll come back in a second when we can discuss a few more things. But I just want to bring in Lawrence now, if I can. And Lawrence, as as, as the new president, same question that I said to Louis. How did you feel when you knew you found out you were going to be the new president? And how are you feeling now that it's happened? It all sounds a bit twee to say it, but it is absolutely uh, a huge honour. I mean, I remember when I actually found out, it's after there's a voting process that you go through as part of council and you have to put your, uh, obviously, your thoughts forward and you present that back. And then you sort of sit there nervously hoping that people (laughs) will actually sort of vote you in. And all that happens during our council meeting last October. And yeah. it was a virtual event. So I remember being yeah. told that, yeah, absolutely, it's you. And I I, I was literally wanting to just, just sort of jump around and, <laughs> and everything, but I couldn't. It was, so I was Billy No Mates in my office at home where I am now, sort of sitting there having to sort of hold it, hold it all in for, for a little while. But but I mean, seriously, you know, it's, yeah. it's, a, it's, a, it's a massive honour for a start. I mean, it, sure. you shouldn't underestimate that it is the biggest gig that you will ever get in your career. And it's a lot of responsibility. I'm really proud and honoured that the membership has, has put itself behind me. And obviously, I've got big shoes to fill. Not that I'm saying you've got big feet, Louise, but you know exactly <laughs> what I mean. Yeah, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah thanks. thanks it's interesting actually speaking to you guys and finding out there's so much to do with the role and stuff. And I think it's interesting. Yeah, perhaps as a president, one gives off an element of confidence and self-assurance. But but there is, it. I guess it, there is a little bit daunting as well, Lawrence. Is that mm. fair to say? 
Well, absolutely. I mean, the, the thing is, I mean, you you know, you, you, it so, so, suddenly sort of dawns on you that actually you've got nearly 50,000 members looking to a certain degree to your leadership. You know, you've got IOSH mm-hmm. Council, who is made up from an incredibly high caliber set of peers that are also looking for your your leadership. Then there's all the ambassadorial perspective. As Louise said, you know, you'll be out there on some of the biggest stages trying to influence at the highest levels. But at the same time, you're also keeping your feet on the ground in your day job because this is all voluntary yeah. for, for all yeah. of us. But at yeah. the same time, you are wanting to um, you want to you want to add that value. You want to make that difference for people to be able to look back after after a year and say, you know, that was a, that yeah. was a good tenure. So it, it's important to sort of focus on a number of things, but just do them mm. really, really well. And 12, yeah. t- 12 months is not a long time, although you could argue, actually, it's three years in its entirety because you have mm. a year as president elect, then a year as president. And then obviously you've got your year as immediate past president. But um, mm. it shouldn't be underestimated just how important the role is. Yeah, I've spent a long time thinking about it and certainly yeah. a long time aspiring to it. <laughs> Great. Yeah, no, brilliant. Actually, yeah, another big question. You touched on it a little bit, I guess. But what, what are you most looking forward to? Or so one of those things when you look back in 12 months, oh, yes, I was proud of achieving that. Do you have any plans in mind that you want to incorporate? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Louise has already sort of alluded to this. It's really, really important as president-elect, you take time to align and sort of calibrate yourself together because the membership and IOSH as a whole, and in fact, the whole profession, you know, needs consistency. It needs clarity in what you're doing. And if you're jumping from one side to another because you think you've got the next great idea, then actually that's potentially more sort of dangerous than not. So there's absolutely plans in place. So you have plans as the chair of council in terms of those things that you want to aspire to and then obviously you know your plans from the ambassadorial point of view so so i've actually got three key focus areas from the ambassadorial point of view i'll be looking at with what i'm calling a uh, like an overriding healthy challenge for all organizations and that's around eliminating harm and trying to shift the focus away from always accepting that the control hierarchy that's out there that we all know and love so much that that's you know that's an absolutely fundamental tool for us but actually are we really doing everything we can to eliminate harm at the earliest stages so mm. designing out hazards finding other ways challenging our ecosystem in that same way and i think i yeah. think that's really important and that that's really where our focus should be but the, the three sub areas, if you like, um, yeah. first of all, future leaders and our next next generation. You know, we, we need a pipeline of the most yeah. motivated and enthusiastic people coming through ranks that really understand the benefit that we bring as an enabling profession and that they're completely supported from the very start all the way through their careers and that we make the most of that opportunity. And let's get some first careers in there. People mm. who don't say, oh, I fell into it by accident yeah. because of it's a brilliant profession to be in. Let's face it, you know, the breadth and the depth of the opportunity and the things that you get to do and influence and what have you. It's a, it's a massive opportunity, which brings me on to the second one, which is all about the power and the opportunity that comes with diversity. You know, the more diverse we are, and let's face it, we are all diverse, we're all different, but the more diverse we are and the more we tap into that and the more we recognise neurodiversity as well, actually, within our profession and 
and within our stakeholders, another massive opportunity. So I want to spend some time on that to make sure we're landing uh, the best possible way we can, but also maximising the opportunities. And then finally, making sure we're covering off what's been termed as sort of grassroots OSH. So in other words, focusing on that much bigger ecosystem, that 80% of the global working world who are doing uh, what somebody referred to the other day uh, to me as doing the hard yards, not just that 20% corporate identity that's, you know, got got the right resources and got the right setup and and yeah, and OSH is just yeah. day to day. You can't do it without that 80%. So, yeah. so with those four things together, that aligns really nicely with our strategy as IOSH that's coming quarter two next year. And that's deliberate from my perspective to make sure that um, it all lands properly. But you know, listen, it's a great opportunity to get out there. I'm very much a people person, really want to be out there with with the members, um, thinking about supporting our brilliant volunteers network. I mean, there are hun- literally hundreds of people that give up their time like we mm. do, myself and Louise, you know, for, for, for a lot of hours every year. They absolutely need the support of us and our, our presidential team. And we need to keep building capability that Louise was talking about in council because, wow, there's some opportunities there to make a difference on behalf of the membership and uh, for the benefit of everybody. So loads to go at, loads. Brilliant. Yeah, well, yeah, there's some hefty stuff on that list, isn't there? But but really encouraging to see as well and to pull SHP in, into as, as we go into the new year. It's one of our, always has been, but really, you know, the question around diversity, we've always been very keen on promoting that. Young people as well, it's such an issue. It's, it's almost an issue, isn't it now, that there's a generation that are perhaps retiring, Lawrence, they're falling off the end. And there's not that many young people coming through. So there's this sort of perhaps a, a dangerous gap appearing and and so i think it's a fabulous profession isn't it people don't really know too much about it yeah. Yeah. why would you not but also important in terms of generally in terms of the profession so there's the consistency there and i wonder if that's something that and i'm sure it is but something that you that's on your radar has been on your radar prior to your presidency uh, absolutely i mean louise mentioned it i've been in this game for almost 30 years as well and um yeah you know i've, I've sort of i've, I've watched missed opportunities with individuals where they haven't been nurtured and supported and they've sort of meandered off and gone into other things but I've also seen the benefits of looking after people and bringing them along from completely different disciplines actually and then them if you like almost having that light bulb moment to say actually this is a profession where I can really really make a difference and influence lots of different levels and mm. let's face it, how many professions can sort of look back every day and say the decisions that I've made today have potentially improved yeah. someone's mental or physical health, looked after their safety, maybe even saved a life, if not today, over a number of years. I mean, that's a that's a massively exciting opportunity. And who wouldn't want it, to be honest? Absolutely agree, Lawrence. Absolutely. And I'm sure you're preaching to the converted as well, listening to this. Is this an unfair question? Perhaps it's possible to go a bit more nuanced in it, but are, you, are there any challenges that you're sort of worried about? Any pushback? Is, is, is there anything that you're a bit oh, not sure about that? Because challenges will come up. So yeah. how, how are you going to sort of approach them? Yeah, it's a, it's a fair question. And, and actually, it's one that myself and Louise talked about 12 months ago in our 
preparations for handover once the sort of green light had, had, had come on um we, we actually talked about this and it's great because right. what we've done for the last 12 months is bounce off of one another to turn and again it sounds a bit twee i apologize but turn those challenges into opportunities because you know there's always challenges challenges in personalities challenges in the fact that not everybody's always aligned challenges in what you expected is actually not what you got and, and sort of so yeah. it goes on because we've worked so closely together we've managed to learn from one another in terms of where those things might come from you know i've got good plans but i think probably the the biggest challenge of all i'm speaking sort of openly and honestly here is if anybody sure. said that they came into this role even if it was a very slight inkling of imposter syndrome I would be amazed. And I, I, the reason I say that is because when you look around the room, whether you're a branch meeting or you're working in a network, in a, a big stage as Louise has been with the Commonwealth, and you know I've been in similar situations myself, or even just looking across the room in Irish Council, mm. the sheer scale of the knowledge and the capability and the experience in the room looking back at you is to be fair quite frightening but yeah sort yeah. of a good way because what you need to do is harness that and use the opportunity to get the message across pull people together you know listen to different people's points of view and actually the opportunity is then trying to join those dots um, and make sure you can get that common thread that everyone can buy into and then take things forward but make sure that the outputs come from all that work for me the whole communication and the outputs mm are the two big challenges and the things that I know I really need to focus on for people yeah. to be able to look back and say, yeah, well, that was a good spend of those 12 months. But I know we can do that because Louise has laid some great foundations in terms of the way that we operate as council, for example, and yeah. IOSH as the sort of chartered body on the global stage. Yeah. We've got all the right people in all the right places and all the right things set up to have the biggest influence possible. So I just, I just want to get cracking. <laughs> No, I can tell. I can tell the enthusiasm's coming through here on the computer, Lawrence. It's a really good point as well. The wealth of knowledge available. The membership is so strong and quite exciting, isn't it? Way there's so much that can be can be tapped into. I, I'm hesitant to bring David Bowie. No, I'm not because I'm a big David Bowie fan, and he bear with oh, me on this. And Dave, okay. And I think one of his strengths was, you know, he used to work with different people of different production and like a manager, a good music, and, and he made it all sing and it all came together. So I'm not calling you David Bowie, Lawrence, but there is an element <laughs> of sort of try of being humble about things and, and going, Absolutely. can I speak to you? And then linking that, that's something to think about, isn't it? 100%. Being humble for me has always been one of the key traits of a really good leader being able yeah. to put your hand up and say i don't know i need help or i look back on that decision and now i'm not so sure but what can we do together in whichever sort of remit you're in and i've always said that the key to being someone who's competent in any remit not just health and safety in any remit the key to being competent is actually knowing when you're not and therefore knowing when to stop and get that help use yeah. your network your friends your colleagues whatever it takes to sort of you know find your way back and that's exactly what bowie did and some of the best artists have done that yeah. they've learned from other people and they've been the person to to mold it in the way that that suits them but very much open to all those all those inputs and that's that's absolutely the way it's got to be i think this is where lawrence and i've worked incredibly closely together and particularly in council, it's about walking the talk. Mm. What we've actually done is created a structure and a framework for working so that people can make their own choices about what they feel is really important. So it's not about 
us being hero leaders to say this is what we're expecting you to do you know it's been a real transition it has taken both of us because there's been times where I've felt the weight of some of this sometimes on my shoulder and I've been able to go to Lawrence and when one of us is feeling strong we support the other and so um you know, in creating that foundation, we've been talking about Lawrence's sausage machine. So we're basically right. saying we've created <laughs> yes, yes. a sausage machine. We might have to edit this bit. <laughs> and Lawrence is going to be creating some great bangers next, next year. <laughs> right. It's been, it's been important for, for, for members of, of council, as an example, to have that sort of, you know, that ownership and belief that they can actually do what they feel is right in their sort of particular uh, focus areas. And and what Louise has been doing and what I'll be doing and what Stuart Hughes as the next president-elect yeah. will be doing is literally acting as enablers and facilitators for those brilliant conversations and for those things to come out of the other end and then feed into the board, for example, for yeah. decisions or feedback to the membership in terms of, you know, the, these are the things that we want to do going forward in terms of actions to support you. And it's really important that people see the inputs and the outputs, but our role is very much to facilitate that machine in the middle, but we're all in it together. I've always said yeah. it's a level playing field from my perspective. We're there to help, we're there to support. We can lead if you want us to, we'll get stuck in if you want us to, because that's the best way to get stuff done, isn't it? Yes, yes, absolutely. Really interesting is coming across here talking to you guys today is the relationship that you guys have. Pretty obvious that you're sort of looking out for each other. It's uh, you, Louise hasn't gone right, see ya, and then and then then off you go. You're, you're sort of continuing to support. And that word again, like being genuine and being humble and having an attitude around that. I, I think I, I guess there is a danger, isn't there? It wouldn't happen now, but a bit going to your head. And going right, I'm the president, and off, off we go. But it's like really refreshing to hear that sort of right. We'd be genuine, be humble, and we'll get this done. And the collaboration between you guys as well. That's quite satisfying, actually, for both of you, sort of hearing that back, maybe. I couldn't have done my year without Lawrence. Right. It has been a real partnership approach. And one of the things we were able to do this year is we were able to co op some members to council as well. So, what that meant was when I needed to make decisions, it wasn't about me making decisions. I had a group of people mm-hmm. that I could turn on, turn around for support. And I think that piece that I was talking about that I felt personally challenging was about how much of myself I bring to this. And so I also had people in the background who, if I was having a bad day, I could ring and have a rant. (laughs) Mm, Yeah, yeah, it's important. You know, because as president, you can't just go and talk to anybody. So, so, but it's about, you know, everything about this role is a team effort. It's not Mm. about an individual. Absolutely. Yeah, I'd second that exactly right. I mean, the first thing I I did almost after I sort of picked things up from Louise after our AGM is get the whole of IOS Council, which so includes the the presidential team together and say exactly what Louise has just said. You know, we are a team. We might have different roles. We might be focused on different things for different reasons. But ultimately, this is about us together and we all succeed together and we take opportunities together and we deal with challenges together. And that's the strength of what you actually end up with within the likes of IOS Council and our presidential team and the the knowledge and the experience and, and actually the professionalism between people. 
but actually mm. we all get on because it's a really nice set of people to be working with on a day-to-day basis the sort of people you'd say i'd go for a pint with them because yeah, you know what yeah. I, I get them and, and they're willing to listen to me and we can kick some ideas yeah. around but ultimately yeah. we're absolutely doing it together absolutely yeah yeah brilliant i, I would interject that this doesn't mean that we're creating group thing so you know what mm. we need is we need individuals to bring their perspectives but we need individuals to bring their perspectives in a particular way you know what we're trying to do is create a balance in terms of how people contribute so by creating smaller working groups within council it meant that people that are perhaps introverted thinkers felt that they were in a safe place to be able to contribute and we've done a lot of training and support for people so and and it's going to be ongoing for next year which is going to certainly be how I support council next year to respectfully disagree because I think that's definitely a challenge I think in, in our sector we can think that we know the answer and actually no one person has the monopoly on wisdom so how can we use those different perspectives in a way that isn't going to be intimidating and is going to allow people to use their knowledge and their experience mm-hmm. and be able to contribute? Because the last thing we want at the same time is group thing. My next question is perhaps one you're not surprised I'm, I'm going to ask, and it's, it's around mental health. And DHSE stats came out last week i think or the week week before and it showed an increase in workplace absences owing to issues around mental health and it's a subject that's important to me personally as someone who suffers a bit with anxiety and, and depression it's a subject that i think since i've come back into the role having been on the magazine a few years back is now more on, on the agenda but is there a danger of it that it's getting a bit saturated and well-being has become a bit of a, for want of a better term, just a buzzword. And I wonder if I could start with you, Lawrence, if I'm not apologise for these big questions today, guys, but is this something that, that you'll have on your agenda going forward? Is it something you're thinking about? You know, it's, it's something that is always on my agenda anyway, from my own personal family perspective. I've seen the best of times and, and the absolute worst of times as well and in my day job I've actually noticed in the last three to five years myself and a number of others have actually been throwing out that healthy challenge around health and speaking up and talking about mental health and trying to get sort of parity really between mental health physical health and safety and completely recognize that not everybody's in the same place at the same stage but I've definitely noticed organisations and employers sitting up and noticing because I think employees and people within organisations have become more willing and I feel a little bit more safe now than perhaps they did to put their hand up but also they're more aware but that means that employee recognition and expectation is changing quite rapidly so organisations and employers within organisations are going to have to develop that empathy and that sort of you know compassionate leadership aspects and are going to need to work on that parity because this has always been the bigger issue actually if you look at all the statistics from across the world for as long as the stats have been gathered health has always been the bigger issue you know sort of five six seven eight nine times bigger 
than that of safety because it's that thing that sort of sits there and people weren't willing to talk about and perhaps it's not as quick or as obvious and much more long term or whatever it might be the realization that that actually with your people being your most important asset if you don't look after them sustainability is a is a massive problem to you to be honest because your people are mm. your your business so you need mm. that safe open culture and it's it's absolutely got to be seen in the same way as safety as an absolute minimum but we've all got mental health it's here to stay I, again i see that as an opportunity just to help people be better when they leave the workplace rather than being adversely affected by it and whatever we can do we should absolutely be doing it's got to be on the agenda simple as that louise what's the saying culture each strategy for breakfast <laughs> So I see psychological health and safety within organisations in the same kind of way. We can have the most incredible risk assessments. We can have the most incredible arrangements. We can have all the processes in the world. But actually, if our organisations are not psychologically healthy, if people don't feel safe at work, there's going to be no trust. And if there's no trust, they're not going to trust the rules and the policies and the procedures and everything else that we have in place. And they're not going to feel that they can raise issues when there are Mm -hmm. issues that need to be raised. So we cannot have one without the other. We can't have physical safety within our organisations without having psychological health and safety within our organisations. And one of Lawrence's themes is around design and you know eliminating risk by good design Mm. which is something that I talk about as well and I think organizations that have a culture of fear and blame and know those leaders know that they have an issue if they have high staff turnover you know people are leaving the the data is going to be there in those organizations so they know what the culture is within their organization you know this is a boardroom issue it needs to be owned by the boardroom but i think some of the challenges come from the fact that people have reached the boardroom with a very different leadership style and that's not going to work moving forward unfortunately these statistics do not surprise me it's what we do now that we're aware and we need to start having very serious conversations about how our organisations are designed and the culture within those organisations. And the boardroom needs to make some really brave decisions when they identify they have a problem, because I think most organisations will know if they have or not. Staff and employees, you know, they've absolutely got to be seen as the driving force behind organisations and they can't do that if they're not at their best and that includes physical health mental health and all those other influences from inside and outside organisations that do affect people's well-being so yeah massively important thanks both for being so candid about that it could be a podcast on its own couldn't it because i know it's it's such a big uh, and important subject so perhaps we'll we'll do another one later on in the year you're on it but but thanks for your insight um getting towards the end now to our penultimate question taking a slight detour i actually got another podcast coming out soon i interviewed nicole rinaldi she's at professional services at iosh and we had a chat about the updated blueprint tool I was wondering, Lauren, can you just give us a bit of an overview of of that tool, if you can? 
I'm proud to say I've actually just worked through it myself. Uh, I was ah. given a, uh, a sneak <laughs> preview uh, some time ago where I actually started to to play with it, and and now I'm sure. done and dusted. So. Um, so effectively, it's a really interactive and I, I think intuitive way for you to record your CPD, obviously, but really importantly, map yourself in terms of where you are in your career now and also where you want to go, because there's a development plan that you can piece together out of the other side of this. And the, the two new sort of big features, I guess, are the fact that there's now access to almost a thousand sets of materials from lots yeah. of different aspects of the yeah. Welsh competency framework that you can tap straight into. And that's building all the time. Every time something good comes along, yep, we'll have that, we'll have that. So it's, it's a one-stop shop for people. But also we've now got some ethics training built into yeah. the process as well. And, and clearly that's massively important. I mean, Louise talked about words like trust and respect, and I've talked about influence and all those things. You know, that's only going to stick if from an ethical perspective as a profession, you know, we're seen yeah. as being the ones at the top of the tree and the, the ethics trainings, it's not just useful and insightful. I think it's an absolute essential now to yeah. make sure that all of us are actually on point and exactly where we should be. So you can basically log into the system and transfer, or you would have had the last 12 months of your CPD transferred into the system already. But going forwards, self-assessment, you can see where you are, you can see where you want to be, you can put your development plan together. Logging CPD is a lot easier now. It's a lot more intuitive, as I said. Access to materials to help you build yourself and build your development plan. And then at the moment, an ethics module and there yep. will be other stuff coming on the back of it. So it's a massive leap forward, massive leap forward. Thanks for that little bite-sized piece, Lawrence. We appreciate that. Some good insight there. And I'll um, just take this opportunity to um, point listeners in the direction of that podcast. I'll put it in the show notes when this is loaded up below the line. So it's a good listen and it sounds like an exciting time and a good framework going forward. Right, guys, last question. When I interview people or write an article about them or, or do podcasts, to ask it's a nice habit to, to to ask people what they do why they're motivated by what they do and i think particularly in health and safety you get some really fabulous answers and if you don't mind guys i'd like to ask you that same question i'll go to you louise if that's okay and just just to say what inspires you to get up in the morning with your job so this is one of those questions i've really thought about over the ah, last good. year and my key reason for getting up in the morning and doing this every single day is around fairness. You know, I don't like unfairness. Yeah. <laughs> and every day I get up and that's what drives me. So, you know, there's no reason for people to be exposed to hazardous conditions within their work, whether that's yeah. psychologically or physically and so my key driver has always been around fairness and I like to see things working better at the end of any task or project that I've taken on than it was when I took it on so you know again that comes from being very much transformational leader in terms of my perspective so there's that and I and I love to see other people succeed I get a real buzz out of watching people progress and succeed and you know there's people coming up through now that are going to be way better at this than me <laughs> when they reach the same stage in my career and so working with those you know really high performing teams I get a massive buzz out of seeing 
people just you know evolve and blossom and do other amazing things you know I, I talk about it being one conversation at a time and it really is and all of those things sort of get me up in the morning great well lovely answer thanks Lawrence can I throw that one at you I guess it's a bit of a, a variation on a theme of what the two of us have actually spoken about today already but for me I said earlier I'm a, I'm a people person and I've been there yeah. at the best of times as Louise said you know where I can see people really flourishing really happy in what they're doing just getting better and better and that's massively rewarding but on the other hand I've also been there at the absolute worst and most tragic times within organizations over the years and have just seen completely the opposite end of the spectrum and as I said earlier there is nothing more important than people you know your greatest asset your greatest investment the heart of every business I mean that's really what drives me sort of knowing that I'm quoting myself almost from an event I was at on Friday when when I said something along the lines of, with the exception of the emergency services, our brilliant emergency services, there aren't many who can say to themselves on a regular basis, my decisions and efforts could have saved someone, maintained or even improved their health, safety and well-being. And that is so special and so unusual as a, as a, as a discipline. And it's exactly the reason I do what I do. It's the opportunity to influence, see sort of betterment through my my interactions, whether that's with people or systems or assessments or outputs or training or whatever it is. And that's the brilliant thing about this discipline. It's so wide. It's so varied. It's such an opportunity to influence. But ultimately, it's about people and looking after people, whether they're the general public or they're working for an organisation or there's someone else who could be affected by what's going on everyone deserves to continue their life and their their health and well-being for as long as they can so that's what I'm here for and I love every moment. What a good place to end I think thanks for that response Lawrence that's brilliant really really good to hear and thanks Louise. Right that's unfortunately the end of the, the show it's been such a good chat with you guys. Thank you for having us and it's been great to be here and chat. It's been a pleasure really good conversation and yeah let's let's do it again. If you're new to the Safety and Health podcast, which you might be, then please do go back and uh, check out our archive of episodes. We've got a a really great selection of of podcasts covering everything. As Lauren said, the the, the profession is so, the discipline is so varied, there's there's everything you can find there as well. Um, So if you do like what you hear, you can follow the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Been told as well, we're now available on your smart speaker, to simply ask to play the Safety and Health podcast, which you should all do. Also, it would be really grateful if you could rate us and comment on your chosen platform as that will help us to get the show out to a wider audience. Finally, do stay tuned in to SHP Online for all the latest health and safety news. If you haven't done, you can also sign up for our daily e-newsletter as well. Thank you for listening. We will see you soon, hopefully, in the next episode. Take care.